The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Steel is vital to so much of construction and manufacturing but it isn't terribly green, and it hasn't seen that much innovation considering how long it's been so important. Particularly if you look at galvanised steel, where the materials used create waste problems and see valuable resources going down the drain. In fact, hundreds of thousands of tonnes of zinc and acid is released into landfill and wastewater every year. Until now, that is, where a new New Zealand company has a plan to fix this and create the first clean process. It's an idea getting noticed. They've just won the $100,000 C Prize, the Callaghan Innovation Challenge to find environmental answers through clever business innovation. To talk the idea, winning the C Prize and changing one of the big industries, Zincovery CEO Jonathan Ring joins us now on his own. G'day, thanks so much for being here. G'day, thank you for having me. Hey, so first up, um, tell me what was the start of the idea and the research that this came out of? Yeah, so this idea actually started when uh, a local galvaniser came to uh, one of the university professors, my um, now co-founder of Zincovery, Aaron Marshall, and he had a problem. His waste disposal costs for um, waste acid were getting extremely expensive, so much so that he was paying three times as much to dispose of his waste as it actually cost to buy in uh, fresh acid. Uh, Aaron had a look at this this waste and he was like, holy hell, this is loaded with zinc and other valuable materials. shouldn't be wasted, it should be a resource. And so he, he went to me and kind of propositioned me to do a master's project around um, researching recycling uh, techniques. And at first I wasn't super keen because I, I didn't really want to stick around university longer than I had to. Uh, but after thinking about it, I was like, wow, this could be a great opportunity I'm passionate about the environment. I've always wanted to start a business. Why not take a chance? Worst case scenario, I come out with a master's degree. And uh, yeah, here we are. We've had some great success in the lab. And uh, now we're trying to get out into, into industry and create a commercial product. Yeah. Take, take us back to kind of like, what is it about galvanizing that creates this waste? And how is it done? What's the role of the acid? And what is the net result? Yeah, so the specific type of galvanizing that um, generates this waste is what they call hot dip. And that's basically where they get steel 
and then they drop that into a, a molten um, bath of zinc and you come out with a, um, a nice shiny zinc coating. Uh, the trick is though, to get that really good binding of that coating, you've got to have a clean surface that doesn't have any metal oxides on it. So what they do is they um, dissolve off the metal oxides in acid, so you'll dissolve off iron oxide uh, if it's a fresh bit of steel, but if it's an old bit of galvanized steel then they'll dissolve off the, the zinc oxide. Uh, eventually that acid becomes so full of zinc and iron that it won't do its job anymore and uh, basically at the moment it's getting disposed of or taken away and put into landfill and wastewater. And I imagine great big vats of uh, zinky acid and acidy zinc uh, are pretty hard to manage and dispose of. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's quite large volumes all at once, uh, and even the waste disposal people don't like treating this stuff because it's often quite hard to get the metals within the. Um, within the trade waste consents to, to let that go into the sewer system, basically. So what's the, you know, for the absolute layperson, what's the benefit of galvanising the steel? Like, what does it provide? What And, and what, what are the applications? Like, how much of the steel that people encounter in their daily life, making up their cars and the trusses of houses and the like, mm. um, would, would go through such a process? Yeah, uh, I, I don't have a raw number for the, the percentage, but... The benefit of uh, galvanized steel is it makes it last a really long time. Some galvanized steel can be used in the outdoors and last a hundred years. So by all means, it's actually a very sustainable material where it has a it has a very uh, long lifetime. But the way that we produce it uh, isn't quite sustainable yet. Uh, and so you'll find galvanized steel in a lot of outdoor um, outdoor applications. So for instance, uh, any any uh, street lamps, uh, a lot of fencing, uh, gates, nuts, bolts, anything that's exposed to the weather uh, is normally galvanised steel. And so when you started to look at this problem to do your masters, how did you go about unpicking it? And what was the what was your kind of unlock? What was the what was the solution you found? Yeah, uh, so it's a cool question actually. Um, I I started looking at the problem, and there's actually a good amount of research on um, people trying to solve this before. Most people came at it from a, uh, I guess, like a very researchy academic application where they used um, quite standard uh, chemical process techniques. The problem with, if, is with those is they're very expensive and don't really have a great application to this type of waste that um, contains a lot of contaminants. And it's also, uh, you're recovering zinc at the end of the day. You're not recovering a high-value metal. Uh, so I took a bit of a step back and I was like, okay, this, this isn't going to work fundamentally. What's, a, what's a, a cheaper way that we can recover this zinc? And I started looking more towards, well, you know, people mine zinc out of the ground. The, the key issue is separating the iron and the, the zinc from each other. Most of the, the world's surface is, is uh, or most of the uh, world's ore is made out of iron. Uh, so there must be a separation method there. And that's kind of where I got onto the, the right track of of developing the technology. And there was a couple uh, uh, quite critical steps from that point that allowed us to do what we can do now. 
uh, and that is kind of I, I, I can't, probably can't go into too much detail but because of uh, Associate Professor Aaron Marshall's experience uh, within his field that information was available to us but when I when I when he first suggested some of these ideas I was like no way that's not going to work that goes against what I've been taught in uh, you know chemistry and physics but just turns out that my understanding wasn't as advanced as his. <laughs> <laughs> that's also and so as a net result so instead of ending up with great volumes of uh, zincy acid you are able to well recover the zinc out and then what what are you able to then do with the the zinc and the um the, the leftover uh, as opposed to what happens now yeah so the zinc can be reused back in industry I mean, it can go straight back to the galvanizing industry it could get used in other applications for zinc as well. Um, we're talking with, at the moment, one of the um, bronze and brass manufacturers here in Christchurch, uh, but many applications for zinc. Uh, the two other products that we recover is uh, an iron oxide, and that has an application as a, as a colorant in, in concrete. Uh, not many people know this, but pretty much all concrete's mixed with a, a little bit of black iron oxide to take the glare off it. Otherwise, if you're driving around the city, you'd get, you know, you'd be blinded pretty much <laughs> on yeah, a sunny day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the the last product is is acid, which uh, can again be reused in the galvanizing industry. So really, kind of making a circular solution for the industry. Yeah, wow. And that's really like, and how did you manage to do this? Like, how do the costs stack up? Because I've seen you um, mention in the past that you know it's really important to solve. Uh, it is an academic answer, but then it has to uh, it has to act as a business solution, or else it's not going to become a new standard uh, at, at the moment. And I imagine in some countries, with maybe laxer environmental standards than New Zealand, uh, the cost of uh, ditching the the, um, the the waste products might not be factored in so much. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, a simple answer is that. We only use electricity, and electricity is cheap. Uh, if you were to do a comparison to how people recover this from ore, people have to pay for their raw material as far as their <clears throat> as far as their ore ore is concerned. In our case, you know we get paid for ours. So even if you're moving into an economy that has very low disposal costs, we still have a you know a, a massive advantage over disposers because we can just make money from that recycling side of the business, uh, and our kind of key innovation is really making that that's that electrochemistry uh, work for us. So really making a process that only uses low cost electricity to to really extract out those um, valuable products. If you love the spin-off, the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members. This is the fund that helps us keep free and accessible to all without a paywall. It also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism. Check it out through the spin-off. And that's massive if you take something that's currently a cost and turn it into a resource and also elements that they can keep using uh, to, to, to keep producing galvanized steel so you must you must have been pretty excited that you you were onto something T tell me about your process then to turn it into a company and take it from pure research and into something that you could enter the c prize with yeah uh 
So you're right, I was, I was very, very excited. Still am extremely excited. Um, it's what keeps me going. I, I really love what I do. Uh, yeah, so I guess we had this massive success in the lab and we're like, holy hell, we've, you know, we've cracked it <laughs> pretty much. And we, we went back to the galvanizing industry and thought we were pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> and they, they said to us, uh, that's nice, but you know, does it work at scale? Uh, how is this going to like implement into my process? What are the kind of like the workflows going to be around it? Uh, all of these questions that were, were far beyond us. And we realized we need to take this out of the lab and, and really prove that it can be scaled, that it can uh, potentially work as like in a more industrial environment. And so the, the question was, how do we progress that forward? Uh, we ended up going for the um, KiwiNet uh, Tier 2 funding, which is uh, available to research organisations. So as representing the University of Canterbury, uh, we got half a million dollars of, of funding to build like a scaled up pilot plant. Uh, and then along the journey, it was a case of, I've got all these great technical skills, uh, but I really start, need to start breaking into the business world and, and learning what everything what it takes to, to run a company. And we saw that the Callahan C Prize was a, a great way to really upskill our team and, and kind of you know learn the skills that we and get the education that we need to take this business forward. Yeah, it's kind of tailor-made for a company in your position, isn't it? And that one of the things that's so cool, I, I spoke last year to some of the people involved in the in the prize, is that all the finalists get taken through basically a, a kind of series of introductions to all the different people who could help augment parts of their business that you identify as needing a bit of help. So even if you don't win it, you end up uh, winning in a way in the amount of kind of assistance and, and, um, and, and help that you can receive, hey? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, in the long run, probably the money's not going to be a big factor, but the, the training that we've received and just just the learning opportunities and being able to really connect into New Zealand's um, startup ecosystem, uh, that's going to make the difference in the long run, I think. But then winning must be pretty cool oh, as well. Then, <laughs> yeah, winning's the sugar rush that everyone loves. T- tell <laughs> me about the process of going through it. Like, what... What kind of stuff did you do to enter? And then what happened when you became a finalist? Yeah, so uh, the first entry application was basically put together um, uh, like a two-minute video of you guys pitching about what your idea is and also a a bit of a a PowerPoint presentation of uh, what's your kind of impact on, on the world and how's your business kind of work. Uh, and so I took a bit of a lead role in, in putting that together. Uh, and out of, I think it was 140 applicants, we made one top 10. Uh, and so we, we got, we entered into the C prize. We got a, um, a $10,000 worth of funding for actually making it into the finals. Uh, and then we, we really got into what I'd call like the, it was the boot camp, the learning stage, uh, where we went. You know, we got set up with mentors. We went to um, all these events, got connected into uh, a lot of talks and seminars, uh, and that kind of carried us through towards the end of you know, to- closer to now. 
uh, where we had to, for our, like the final kind of competition part, we had to do a, a final longer pitch, which was um, 10 minutes, followed by uh, 20 minutes of questions, and then just doing a, a short kind of written application that was you know quite concise uh, for the for the judges. Yeah. And this year's theme was solving environmental challenges, uh, which is pretty tailor-made again to what, what you're up to. <laughs> yeah, we're very <laughs> lucky for how um, targeted the sea prize is being towards our business. <laughs> and so you win $100,000 out of that and also get to kind of keep working in the Callaghan Innovation Ecosystem to help deliver, um, to deliver what you're doing. What else does winning allow you to do? And what's next for you to build out the company around this idea? Yeah, uh, so winning is doing a lot of things for us. First off, we're getting a lot of attention and, and good media, which is great for us moving into our, um, our first investment round, which we're going to launch in the start of October, so next month. Uh, $100,000 is great timing as well because it's going to allow us to employ uh, a couple more people to help push our R&D and our, our pilot plant development along and allow me to put more focus into uh, raising that investment capital and you know I'll be able to do a better job uh, as a consequence of that. That's great. So you're going to be, and what kind of paths are you going down to hire and to go for capital? Yeah, uh, so we... We're looking for a, a project engineer, uh, probably someone with you know around five years of experience in, in chemical and processing engineering uh, that can really think about how a, a system could be designed and implemented. But I'd I'd say for anyone that's thinking about applying to to us, probably the key skill is being able to learn quickly and um, you know really working well and being excited on on uh, what we're doing as a mission because you have to remember that no one's actually done this exact thing before uh, so really having someone that can pick it up is the is, is critical to us and is that next step to actually create a pilot plant to kind of prove this concept and then prove it at a small scale to then implement it at a larger scale yeah so so what we have at the moment is a, is a pilot plant uh, that's it, it's working, but it's we're recovering, you know, there's a lot of things that we need improvements to improve on before we can actually roll that out into um, into a commercial setting. So, for instance, uh, we recover our zinc at 98% purity. We need to increase that to 99.95% so that, um, you know, galvanizers can use it directly back in their, in their process. And all achievable stuff, it just takes time and development. Uh, as far as like the the, the stages of, of scale go, so we go to lab scale. We're currently building a, a pilot plant and, and working on that. The next step is to, to enter the to the market with a, what I would say is a um, commercial plant or a small commercial plant because we've got our eyes set on the international stage and really uh, setting up in New Zealand for that, that first commercial plant will just be demonstrating that this technology can work commercially before we, you know, we go to a much larger international scale. Ah, how awesome to have, you, you know, the proof of concept now being rolling out into uh, a, a business with such a, a big addressable market. What 
advice would you have for people who are kind of, you know, maybe working on some interesting science that could have great commercial impact, uh, who might be looking at working in a competition or a challenge like this or, or kind of re- reaching out and going through a boot camp type process? Yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Um, for I, I can understand a lot of people would do see it as um, it, it, it takes away from from your your uh, key focus of developing your technology, but it's so essential that you that you really uh, get a more holistic view of of, of business and of, of how the system works, uh, because that is how you you get. Um, get your technology off the ground is really learning how to engage other people because uh, there's only so much that one person can do. Uh, so competitions like Callahan C Prize are really great for connecting you into to the other people in the in the ecosystem uh, and giving yourself the, the skills that you really need uh, to, to push a business forward, to push a, a deep technology forward. Yeah, and... You're very early on the journey now, but what would success be for you for Zincovery and for you as a uh, as a CEO, as a person running it? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see this technology rolled out around the world and uh, have a little Zincovery plant in every um, every galvanising industry <laughs> everywhere. But also I'd, I'd love to uh, have a company in, in New Zealand that was well-known and well-respected for developing these these clean circular economy solutions for um, metal wastes uh, and and really kind of build like a, a you know a brand of uh, we are the guys that can that solve this uh, metal pollution problem ah, that's so cool well congratulations on the prize and uh, yeah can't wait to see what you make happen next. Thank you so much for joining us and Covery CEO Jonathan Ring. Hey, no, thank you. Uh, and very excited for the future as well. So uh-huh. um, awesome. Hopefully, it won't be the last time. <laughs> yeah, haha, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Tina Tiller, for producing. Uh, and thank you for having us along in your ears. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. Brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.